Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow White. Yes, my name is Rob Snow White. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, I live in Northern Virginia and I teach people to catch fish that they throw back in the water. Let me start off with a little anecdote from today. Always carry toilet paper with you. We learned this from Dirty Bill and from some other friends of ours. My client today, we were walking down the street to a fishing spot and he grabs his belly and you hear the... And we take another step or two and he goes... And I said, you want me to run and get my car, get you to the bathroom? He's like, I'm not going to make it. We look around, left, right, and we're in a residential area, but we find a spot where there's a green transformer electrical between two houses and a patch of woods. I dig out my toilet paper roll from my backpack. He goes into the woods. A couple minutes later, he comes out. And guess what happened at the end of the day? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I got tipped an extra $20, most likely because he didn't have to use that $20 to clean himself up, if you know what I mean. So now let's get on to the meat and the potatoes of the podcast. But before I tell you about this crazy bucket list checking off adventure, got some other things to talk about. Beer tie, if you're in the DC metro area, you want to come out to a bar and tie flies with us on a Friday night. We are the longest running beer bar fly tying group out there we're in full swing come out we're going to do holiday themed flies for the next three months shout out to sean in alexandria he's going through some of the same life changes that i am i'm glad he checked in there's another guy who checked in after listening to the fiberglass episode he went through the same thing he too said it gets better so thank you for reaching out and i'm glad you're a fiberglass geek and you appreciated my podcast. Speaking of geeks, now I was a little hard on chemists earlier. I'll straight up tell you chemists are nerds. I used to work in an office full of chemists, hardcore federal chemists. And one day somebody left a soda can in the freezer and exploded and they took the can out but left the mess. And the consensus during lunch was they were going to take a sample of the residue and they were going to run it through a mass spectrometer, figure out the brand and then narrow that down amongst the 15 or so people that worked on our floor. I was just shaking my head and said, I'll clean it up. So while everyone read the newspapers, that's what we did every day. Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, front to back every day in my office. That was a long time ago, that was 20 years ago. But I went out to the zoo recently and I hung out with a dude named Cliff. He's a chemist. Man, that dude was tall. I felt really short. He was an okay guy. So I'm not busting on the chemists, but no chemistry major ever came to my house parties in college. We had the biologists out. Eric up north, want to mention this. He has been having issues on the Merrimack River of hooking American shad like deep in the gills and down the throat. And it happens a lot to him. If you're a listener, does that happen to you up there? Because he asked me down here. We don't get a whole lot of Americans, but the ones we do don't really get hooked too deep. Maybe it could just be a more aggressive take up there. Water temperatures could be different. I don't know. And the leaves are falling outside. My kid's back in school. Salmon River trip is getting planned. So stay tuned for this fall. Uh, Yeah, so I went out to a secret location. I'm not going to tell you unless you got a text from me with pictures. That's really all I'm going to share. I put a couple up on social media but this place has to be protected and it is because quote if you go to the left you're gonna get shot so this mermaid i've been hanging out with her sister and her friend are up a couple hours away in another state and one of them her friend lives in this old quartermaster house and it's a hundred and something year old house and she's on top of a limestone cave system and if you walk 30 feet out of her front door, there's a fence. Normally, it would just be like, I don't know, a fence along your yard, like the fence Carl Malone put up in my backyard two weeks ago. 
and they left both sides of it open. So if I were to have a, a dog or a small kid, they could get out now. Carl Malone kind of screwed up the fencing back there. Anyway, where was I doing? Fences. Yeah, so there's just this fence that's mowed on one side and completely weeded on the other. And you walk down the fence, maybe 20 feet, and it's just a giant pit. It is a crater of a hole in the earth. It is a quarry that's filled in. So let's say you're playing football with your buddies and you run to catch a ball. Someone throws too high and you bump into the fence and go through, you're going to die. If you leave your parking brake down and your car rolls, your car is going to go over a cliff and you're never going to see again. It was almost frightening. I've seen some big caves. There's that giant one in Puerto Rico I went to, second largest cave system in the world. You heard me talk about that. I once lost a roll of film in there. I wrote the Park Service a letter, went to Africa for a month or so, came home, and the roll of film was on my desk. So there's always hope in life. And I'm given some heads up that it's really cool. You can swim in caves. There's a big staircase. The water's beautiful. It's blue. It's cold. And here it is on Google Earth. So I take some looks at it on Google Maps and Earth because that's what you do as a modern fly angler. I can't really tell any features about this place. So I grab my gear bag. I left the worms at home and I've just got my summer bass poppers, worms, nymphs, buggers, it's generic stuff for this time of year. I grab a six weight with a floating line and I pulled out one of my water masters and it's on the carport floor and I decide to leave it there. And I'm not sure why, but I'm going to regret this the entire day. If you we're given a dollar every time I said I should have brought my inflatable boat. You at least would have had $38. So we pack up. My kids got her tutor and Ariel, the pixie and I leave, I don't know, around 11 o'clock. And we're going to drive out towards Purcellville in Virginia. And we're going to stop at this used record store because I'm getting into vinyl now. And Ariel's just got a whole lot of vinyl at home. I'm really digging Europe 72 on vinyl. It sounds amazing. Uh, Go to Heaven is ridiculous too. So we stopped there first because we're ahead of time and I'm going to look through records and I get an Ella Fitzgerald album, Stan Getz, Captain Marvel, a double Duke Ellington, the indistinguishable Duke Ellington from the golden years, 1910 to 1946. Paul Desmond from The Hot Afternoon. I got uh, a Ramsey Lewis later in his career album, so it's a little more funky than jazzy. I got the Jerry Mulligan Quartet, What Is There to Say, and a Sarah Vaughn album. They also had Grateful Dead, Mars Hotel, and luckily I opened it before I bought it because the record was cracked in half and only half of it was there. So we put in the GPS, we've got an hour, 15, hour, 20 minutes from there, and we show up at the Corey Masters house yeah, about 1.30. So after our dilly-dallying, we get there on time. I really wanted to stop somewhere and get a cold drink because it was getting hot out. The high was about 96 that day. And we didn't take the Xterra, which we should have, which would have had all the gear in it. And I could have put the boat in it and just everything else. So we go to the Quartermaster's house. Everyone meets up. Ariel's sister's there with uh, her husband and the baby and then his brother and their kid and his wife and some other friends. We all get organized. There's pool noodles. There's uh, inflatables. There's something called a hashtag, which is like six pool noodles taped together, uh, a paddle board, all sorts of other things. People die all the time on water. People being careless. Three weeks ago, I think in Tennessee, 
A kid was playing in the water and he went under. He was like three. Dad went after the kid. He went under. Buddy went after dad who went after kid. He went under. Buddy went after buddy who went after dad who went after kid went in and he went under. Just careless things. People die for really, it's not worth dying over a lot of these things and reach throw, never go. And I'm just nervous. I don't, I, I think we're rappelling down over cliffs or something. I have no idea what to expect. So I've got my regular PFD, the kind that's got foam in it because the kind with CO2 cartridge only works if you're conscious. And then I've got my Pixie and her PFD and Ariel has floaty pool noodles and stuff. We drive down this dirt road and then there's this big dead end and there's a gate and a sign, no trespassing, no glass. And we get out and there's some other people there. Now, the reason you're never going to find out about this place is it's on private property. Only the local landowners and their guests can go. And there was no garbage once we got there. I'll mention that later. And again, I can't emphasize how blue this water is going to be. You just don't understand unless you've been to something like it, which I had never been before. So we get all our gear, we get everything out, we start hiking in, and it's this little just dirt and limestone trail through the woods. And then you get to the staircase. And I look down, I'm like, good thing I didn't bring my boat on my back because I probably would fall down or I wouldn't be able to get back up the steps. And everyone starts going down the stairs. And then all of a sudden, through the trees, you just see this blue. And the color blue would have to be Miami Dolphins in the 80s, maybe? That color, turquoise, and it looks surreal. It looks like a toxic waste dump. And as you go down 70 or 80 steps, you start noticing that it's spreading out and there's some white cliffs. And then you come out of the woods and it's just all chipped gravelly limestone pieces, uh, a powdery white beach, and then crystal clear water that is 10 different shades of blue and there's not a sound around except people splashing. You kind of just have to drop your cooler bag and your rod and look around because you've never seen anything like this. I've been all around the world. I've seen crazy beautiful from the Namib desert to uh, the Atasha Pan to salt flats in the Galapagos to like rainforests in the Pacific Northwest. I've seen beautiful before. I did not expect to see this kind of beautiful. We're on the flat beachy side. Across from us are these caves where it looked like somebody carved a pumpkin's face but with rectangular smiles. It's as if somebody, uh, how would you describe? There are these just rectangular holes where the cliff meets the water and you can see in about 100 feet. And there's people in there swimming around with pool noodles and you can hear the echoes and there's a couple people just playing around but no one's fishing and the first thing i do is drop my bag like see ya and i go around the shoreline to the shallow end i don't have my gear with me i'm just going to explore and the water is pure clear as clear as kirkland vodka tap water I can't emphasize the clarity of this water. And I come across some old trees in the water and they look aqua petrified. They've got all the branches and you, they're 
pines and you can see all the intricacy of the wood and just around them are little fish. It's as if I'm in a mangrove somewhere in the tropics and all these juvenile fish are huddled around this. I can't tell what the minnows are. The bluegill are really hard to tell. The clarity of water and the white bottom is completely throwing me off. And I am probably hockaloogie and all the fish go for it. And I'm like, that's it. Going back to get my rod. So we're going to break this up into three parts. Shore, inner tube, rowboat. So I run back and it's kind of like this wet, ashy, gloopy, oobleck, white mud that I'm running through with my Crocs on. Glad I didn't wear flip-flops. I'm, I'm wearing Crocs in these places now. And the first thing I do when I get to my gear bag is curse under my breath. I should have brought the inflatable boat. And everyone's hanging out, drinking beers, going around splashing. I'm just oblivious. I string up my rod. I put on a Chernobyl ant, like a size 12 green foam, green leg. And I go out and these little bluegills are kind of just chasing it, popping it. You know, catch one or two. I think I get some red breast sunfish and bluegills. And then I get to the edge of the water where it's... There's almost a marsh and this is almost circular. There's no, there's no intake and outtake. This is a still water. It's just coming up from the ground or what comes in with rain. And I start seeing a couple juvenile smallmouth and it doesn't hit me yet that I've never done this before. And I start casting to them and there's a really dark one and that's my mission. And it, it keeps chasing it and little fish are chasing it, but nothing's biting. And then one of the other dudes shows up and he's got a spinning rod and he throws it out 80 feet. And there's a wall behind me. I can't, I can barely roll cast in this spot. And he catches about a 14 inch smallmouth. I'm like, that's it. I'm going back, getting my box and I'm coming back. And I bring my fly box and I put on a snow white damsel. I'm like, everything's going to eat that. First cast, I see fish swimming in the direction of my fly. I cannot see it because of this Seychelles or Cuban flats looking water. It's just the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And I take that off and put on a black woolly bugger. And as I'm tying on this size four woolly bugger, three smallmouth come up onto the flats. Get that knot tied as fast as I can, leave on the tag end and pop it out there. And sure enough, these guys chase it down. They go about six feet out of their way. You can see 60, 70 feet away. You can see fish all the way to the other end of the cove. One of them chase it, inhales it. I set the hook. I yell out a wahoo and I bring it in. I get a picture of it doing the, the lip hold and it's got a nasty lesion on the operculum on one side. So I get a selfie with the good side and I'm determined now to catch something bigger. And about 60 feet in front of me where that dude was casting, there's all these dead tree branches sticking up. And then as you get towards the shore and the cliff, it's just a forest of dead trees. So I go back and I'm excited. I show off the pictures. People are hanging out. I try to get on the paddleboard. Never fly fished on the paddleboard. We talked to Clem about it. We had the conversation with Drew Chacon about how great paddleboards are. My kid will not get off the paddleboard. She's got her PFD on. Someone's got about an eight pound poodle with a life jacket with a handle. This dog climbs on paddleboards. The two of them are inseparable from that paddleboard. And then William comes over, Ariel's brother-in-law, and he has got an inner tube that you go sledding in. So it's an inner tube with mm, fabric over the center. And I get on that and I start kicking all the way towards that cove. And I realize this is just not gonna work. 
So I get out. I'm thinking it's a bad idea to have my phone on me now. Ditch the phone, pick up the inner tube, walk to the cove, jump in. Couple cats with the woolly bugger. I'm like, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to do a, a subsurface out here. And it's really awkward because I'm the same level as the water with my legs out in front of me, and it's just freakishly odd casting. Put on my scorpion bug, size two, two X long streamer hook. My favorite all-time top water fly. I caught the personal best largemouth of the year on it a week or so before this. And I almost caught some monster catfish on it. They thought it was bread. That's why I went back with bread flies and caught them. Anyway, I get out within 30, 40 feet of the first treetop and I bust an overhead cast. It splats. Smallmouth come up from, I don't know how, how deep. That was my bug zapper. I don't know how deep these things were. One crushes the fly, it flops out of the water. Chaos is everywhere. I go to set the hook, but I am laying on my back with a nine foot six weight and I cannot set the hook. The fish goes down, my fly comes flying back and I am in this inner tube shaking with joy and it finally hits me. I've never fly fished or fished smallmouth in still water before. And it was just super weird and We've talked about this on the podcast, my personal bucket list podcast, Art and I've talked about it, never seen smallmouth in still water. Grew up in Reston, warm water lakes, Potomac River flowing, uh, Shenandoah River flowing, Rappahannock River flowing, all of the creeks and tributaries of them flowing. There's no smallmouth in still water until I found this spot. It, they were either stocked or came in on bird feathers or they were pooped out by, by birds. I don't know. But there are some big smallmouth. The ones I caught on shore were more marked and patterned. This was a rather light one. And now I'm just kind of paddling with my left hand behind me and casting with my right. And I'm missing fish left and right, probably land one for every seven or eight blow ups. And it doesn't matter. I wish I had a GoPro. It was magical. I'm drifting through treetops. Some are sticking out 10, 15 feet. Some are below the surface. Some are a foot or two even an inch above. They kind of look like cypress knobs. And I just stopped with my hand and just was having to start roll cast because my shoulder was burning from this casting angle. I got eight weight line on a six weight, which doesn't help. Big beefy fly. It's lightweight, but beefy. And I'm just blowing with the mercy of the wind. I'm kind of doing plinko between the treetops and I'm just throwing it within two or three feet of any treetop and I get an explosion. Uh, I get towards the wall and I start getting into some of the biggest red-eared sunfish I've ever seen. And they were eating the size two hook. And now I'm going counterclockwise around this. I'm doing this for 15 minutes and I, it's one of those days where I'm like, I can never fly fish again after this. I'm, I'm completely, I'm good. I've, I've done almost everything I wanted to do with the fly rod. Boom, I could retire. But I kept going and there's sunken trees, and there's trees hanging over the edge of the quarry, and there's a couple of docks. And the way I was explained is it's private property, and the shoreline is like pizza crust. Everyone has a certain section. Where everyone was hanging out, and where my cooler and bag were, I was told, don't go to the left, because you'll get shot. And I said, well, where does the, don't go to the left, you'll get shot. I was like, I get it, but at what point does it become private? Don't go to the left, you'll get shot. Never went to the left. And I just go around this lake and I, it's back in the day. I have no camera, no 
No phones with me. I'm just fishing with a box of flies in my lap, getting exhausted, and I'm baking. It is 96 degrees out there, but the water is 50 degrees, and it's 30 feet deep, and I can see carp 20 feet down in sunken tree branches. You're not going to catch them. The carp were also jumping from the, the get-go, from when I was on shore in the cove, fishing part one. And I just knew, you can't catch those kind of carp. They're not players, as we would say. So as I'm drifting in part two, I get all the way around to the edge where the shoreline meets the quarry wall. And I'm getting my first good look at the quarry wall, which is probably 80 feet deep now. And it's getting really cold. And the texture of the water, soft is the right term. It's... It just felt good being in this water. I wasn't getting too hot. I was thirsty. I'm not drinking it, but it, it was different. It was not piss warm Potomac water. It wasn't, you know, hot Lake Audubon water. Your toes, if you're swimming there, which you're not supposed to, get cold from the thermocline. But when you're in an inner tube, you're only in the hot top. And when you're tubing in rivers, Rappahannock, James, etc., you're in the shallows and it's hot water. This water was consistently cold and refreshing the entire time. And it's azure, it's cobalt, it's turquoise, it's white. I can't emphasize how truly magical this water was. Uh, an oasis, maybe you would call it, just surrounded by a forest of green. And there's a dock sticking out in the left corner. I hooked a biggest smallmouth in years. And of course, because I'm laying down and I am completely shot at this point, I just can't set the hook on it. So now I just hold the rod in one hand and I drift along the wall, kind of just throwing 20 feet, mostly leader. Along the wall, it's so deep, I don't think anything's there. There's no real structure like the trees were. And I eventually get to the caves and they're crazy. They go, you can see daylight coming out of one of them. So they just go, I don't know how far in. These may have been the same caves that were eventually underneath the woman's house. I don't know. So I decided to paddle back over and hang out with everyone for a bit. I had my new Yeti cooler and I brought a single can of Moosehead beer. I found that in Delaware. You can't find, there's a lot of things you can't get anymore. And I crack my Moosehead and I am just reminiscing about part two and how that was top five most fun fishing I've had, and it's gonna get better. So I put down my beer, I go talk to somebody, try and get the paddle board for my kid. She says no, and there's a John boat, and I push it in and it starts filling with water. And I'm thinking, is it worth it to try and go to the treetops in this? And someone says, you got 20 minutes before it's an issue. And I said, I don't need this in my life. I'm not going out there in that. So I go and, and sit down and drink my beer, and in the four, five minutes I walked away, probably 30 seconds, someone had kicked my beer over and it spilled. I had two sips of my beer and it was gone, uh, which is fine. The, the baby's now sleeping and people are hanging out in the trees and now they're in the caves in the paddle boards, people from my group, and there's a couple more dogs and it is just peaceful. No ducks, no geese, no blue herons, no night herons, no green herons, no ospreys, no bald eagles. A couple of, of uh, Swifts, maybe, if that's what they're called, Purple Martins, that's it. So after a couple minutes, I, 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 gotta get, I have to get back over to those trees, no matter what. And I want to do it standing up because I couldn't see anything at my position. 
You could see them come up in some shadows, but it was, it was pretty hard being horizontal to the fish. I wanted to be perpendicular with my eyes. So Ariel and I grab a John boat that appeared and a kayak paddle. We grab my whole bag of gear, my box of flies and like a Gatorade. And then we row out across and it goes from white to this blue, light blue, to a darker blue, to cobalt, to royal blue. It is the most brilliant water I have ever seen. I saw cool water in Hawaii. I've seen the Mediterranean. I've seen funky, cool places. Nothing compared to this place that's not far from home. Less than two hours from the DMV. That's District, Maryland, and Virginia, in case you're one of the people listening in Bulgaria. Uh, that's what we call this tri-state area. So we're going into the tunnel, and I can only compare it to being on a Disney ride. There's echoes. There's reflections of the water on the ceiling. There's bird nests built into it, and it, uh, it's, it's amazing. I maybe will put some videos up. It won't do justice. And we go in one side and come out the other, sort of like my first marriage, my honeymoon, we went in lava tubes on Kauai and then came out 60, 70 yards down the beach on another one. It was like being in the Goonies or something. And I am paddling through and there's echoes and that water. And of course I'm saying, say it with me now. One, two, three. I should have brought my inflatable boat. And everyone's like, dude, ad nauseum, enough. So we come out the other side and then I'm on the, the bow of this little eight foot water rain filled boat and we get to the treetops and I start casting and this is now one of the greatest days of fishing of my life. It's smallmouth. Every couple of casts. I'm losing them. I'm missing them. I'm hooking them. They're going straight down. They're coming up, jumping. They're flopping. They're splashing. I can't believe it. I forget how strong smallies are. You always hear pound for pound, greatest fighting fish on a fly rod. And that is pretty much the truth. I've only got my scorpion bug on. I'm not fishing a single dropper out here because I don't need to. We repeat going through the knobs and the treetops and I catch a bunch of fish. We see carp down there. I give Ariel the rod and she starts hooking and losing fish left and right. And I'm rowing her and she's not too comfortable fly fishing. It's only like her fourth or fifth time. And she bat casts and hooks a petrified tree. And there's no mono in any trees. There's no lures. There's no flies. There's no bobbers hanging. There's no garbage anywhere here. And we do this for 15, 20 minutes. Just take turns rowing, catching fish. And then we start realizing it's like 5.30 or 6 now. And we haven't eaten since 9.00. And we're hungry and the sun's been beating down on us and we're tired from casting, swimming. I didn't go swimming, but everyone else was. And just paddleboarding, it was an exhausting day. And when you're having that much fun, you just don't realize how much energy you're expanding. And I wasn't replenishing fluids or calories. And then we're out in just the center now after 20, 15 minutes, whatever. And we are in the forest of treetops and I throw this cast out and this smallmouth comes up and it grabs that scorpion bug and it just 
straight to the bottom. I hit my reel a couple times. I get all that line back on the reel. There's quick pickup on those old bat and kill large arbors. And the fight is on. I haven't fought this many fish on the reel in ages. I mean, one or two shad you get on the reel, maybe an American or a cat. Uh, those catfish the week before that I kept catching on bread and popcorn flies I fought on the reel. This is probably one of the greatest weeks of fishing, the most diverse fishing I've ever had. And we get this fish up to the top and I'm just blown away. It's one of the prettiest smallmouths, third largest I've ever caught. It looks like a Great Lakes smallmouth. And I forgot, all this started, this obsession with smallmouth landlocked just came to me, was a Bill Dance episode. And I mentioned it when I spoke with Bill Dance, I got him on the podcast, 2014 if you want to go back, or 2015, maybe 2016. And... I said, Bill, man, there's this one time you were in your boat and you were fly fishing smallmouth in a lake in Tennessee with this red and white foam popper. It was commercial at the time. It looked like the cat in the hat's hat, metal weed guard on it. And he was just, we never sold a single one at Orvis. And this dude in his tea hat was just busting out casts along shore and catching smallmouth left and right. I was probably... 18 at the most when I saw that and it had been an obsession ever since it's what Art and I talked about yeah we get this beautiful smile mouth up and like a bunch of others we got up I dropped them in the boat and they start flopping and this I'm wearing my gloves but I still got spines through my thigh my knees my these fish were jumping and spiking me everywhere should have brought a net next time should have brought my inflatable boat and we call it quits after exhaustion. The sun is starting to, you know, we're super down in the ground here. We're hundreds of feet below ground level, you know, where the cars are. And it's time to call it. We all just hang out on the beach for a little bit. It's time to drag the boat on shore, break the rods down, clean up empties. Got to buy my kid a paddleboard now. Gonna have to go see Richie for that. I want to get the kind that we can, with a pulpit. Because Clem's been just tearing up fish out of Burke Lake with his. Got to get him over for a podcast soon. And, and that pretty much sums up this crazy fishing spot that you're not going to. My fishing buddies aren't going to. And you will never understand, unless you've been to something like this, just how magical the experience was. And Ariel just couldn't. She's like, I told you, I couldn't prepare you for the magical of this. And I didn't even know there were fish in there. I just thought we were gonna hang out for the day. I had no idea what to expect. You know when I go back, I'm gonna be prepared. I'm gonna have a sandwich, a lot of Gatorade. I stopped eating, I'm a bug zapper again. I stopped eating sunflower seeds and they got all these awesome new flavors now. And I'll have a bigger hat, more sunscreen, and my water master. And I'm gonna, Probably have a heart attack walking that thing up those stairs. I left in front of everybody. I said, I said, I will see you all later. I am going to go ahead and walk out early. And I did. I got a head start. I walked out with Ariel's sister and the baby. Yeah, it wasn't too bad getting to the top. I just needed to crush something cold to drink. And we packed up all the gear, drove back to the quarry master's house, unloaded everything, and I'm just reminiscing about what a wild and unexpected day that is just and I'm trying to share that with you um, 
you know, I'm used to swinging flies, stripping them, dealing with current with small mouth. And it was nothing like that. And I would do anything to go back there. And I hope we do before the weather changes. Otherwise, I'm going to have to wear waders. Hopefully, I can get to use a paddleboard versus my inflatable. There's no way to get a drift boat down there. And I'm going to share that next experience with you. And that's it for now. Uh, we did hit up Monk's Barbecue on the way back. I got burnt ends. And we had to try the Alabama white sauce because then I came back on Monday and made some Alabama white sauce and smoked some chicken. Uh, Traeger's just been awesome. I'm doing speedy chicken on Sunday. It is the 15th. It's my dad's birthday. And Tim, Tim, if you're listening to this, Tim, wait. Give me a call. It's your birthday today too. So, yeah, speedy chicken, marinate for three, four days, and then smoke and grill. Uh, smoked meats are great. I'm sorry, vegetarians. That is it. If you have any questions like, why am I hooking so many fish so deep? I don't know. Maybe they're more aggressive up there. Maybe the water speed is different. I don't know. Any questions? Uh, if you want to support the podcast, please go to robsnowwhite.com and click on my Etsy link. You can see Felipe in Texas. He caught a massive bass on one of my gar flies. And I'm going to start tying up more flies as uh, season sort of winds down. It's kind of nice now going out and there aren't any kids to hook on your back cast. I'm getting the adults now who are, are off during the days. And that's it. I've got steelhead fever. Trying to get my buddy Shane on the podcast. Trying to get Art. Trying to get Clem. If you see them, tell them to get on. You know you can find this podcast and more at waypointtv.com. Follow them and myself on all social media. And I hope to see you at October Beer Tie. If you're listening to this in 2024, sorry, you missed October 2022 beer tie. My name really is Rob Snow White, and Ariel is not really the name of my mermaid lady friend, but we'll call her for that for that now. She is truly a siren. Have fun, wash your hands, call your mom, wear a life jacket. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. Still is home to me This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com.